Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where the journey of life has taken them since their glory days at NYU. My name is Ashwin, and I am tonight's co-host, a senior from Nanuit, New York, studying computer science through CIS, and an RA and Founders. And I am Tom Ellett, your other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Ashwin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. We're glad to have you. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be an RA in Founders Hall, my home. Yes. Oh, it is absolutely amazing. I have lived there since my freshman year, essentially, and I do not regret a single moment. Did you get involved early on in residential life? So initially, no. I took like two months, the average time I would say for most freshmen, to get adjusted to uh, NYU life. And once those two months were up, I started joining Hall Council and just dove right into it from there. And stayed right on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you studying? Computer science. What do you want to do with that degree? I'm trying to aim for software engineering, but long term, one of my minors is game design. So I want to see if I can get into the game industry. Okay. And you've been working part time here in student affairs. Yes. Uh, so we're doing a little thing, it's currently live, but many people probably don't know about it yet, called Bob Chat. It's a chat bot aiming to help the student experience here at NYU. And how will it help the student experience? So we're offering as many resources as possible through the app. It's basically an RA, even if you have one already, it's online. So if you don't feel comfortable talking to your RA, it has just as many resources. Excellent. What's been the best moment at NYU? for you? I would say I have a good list of them, but top right now, meeting this year's residents. Oh, that's great. They have been the best crop that I've had in the past few years. Okay. Yeah. So difference from previous years? Oh, 100%. Ah, okay. And yeah. it's involved enjoying their time here? Yes. Excellent. Well, we have a kind of twist tonight to the episode, right? Mm-hmm. We have two guests. Two? Tonight. Yep. Today's guests are Nick Jensen and Guido Dito, who both served as RAs in Founders Hall with Nikisa Straker and Joanna Champion during the 2009-2011 academic years. Welcome Nick and Guido, and thank you for joining us on today's show. It's a real pleasure having you both on. Thank you. Thanks. How are you two? Good. Yeah, doing well. We're in the like post-Thanksgiving, pre-holidays <laughs> hump, so, yeah. You know. How have things been since you graduated NYU? Pretty good. Uh, we didn't stray far. Still uh, here, you know, in Kimmel. So things have things have been good and busy, and we are both in and of the city. I just had friends over who went to college with me, and they were visiting from out of town, and they were like, "It's so amazing to visit campus and just get these memories." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm here every day." So <laughs> it's I miss that like nostalgic moment because to me it's like a normal, right? Um, but. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to also be here every day and kind of continue this journey at NYU. Tell us a little about what each of you are doing. Well, Nick and I work together. Um, that's how we st I mean, it started that way five years ago, six years ago now? Six years ago, yeah. Yeah, so Nick had started NYU before me, just after graduation. I took a year off and worked somewhere else, came back. Nick convinced me to come back. And we worked together in the Office of Interactive Media, which has now evolved and so our roles have also evolved, and we continue to work together, but somewhat different roles now. I work in the office of the provost and do communications and design strategy. And uh, our the Office of Interactive Media has sort of evolved into a new office called the Office of Student UX Technology and Engagement. 
because our name was too short, apparently. <laughs> and uh, But still focusing on things that we've always focused on and really cared about is how do we improve the student experience. So within that sort of context, I run kind of the day-to-day operations of the office and keep our projects moving forward. We have a number of, of things that were in progress or are launching soon that really help students navigate the university in a space where they already are with the ability to answer questions via new technologies like chatbots, different ways of navigating different programs and skill-based areas to learn from outside the classroom, as well as a bunch of different things like overseeing and helping the students who run Hack NYU plan a successful global hackathon across uh, NYU's three portal campuses, New York, Abu Dhabi, and Shanghai. Keeps us busy. We're going to go back in time and then come back to the present. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about your time as RAs. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was it like to be an RA at NYU? You started first, so you should. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think it was great. It was very fulfilling. I loved being on a staff. I think like that was my favorite part is is becoming friends with other RAs who I'm still very close with now and keep in contact with people who have moved away or have them pop up on Instagram and now they're in a TV show or something like that. It was very fulfilling also to be a freshman RA and to have residents who you could kind of help explore and guide all the different things that happen when you're a freshman arriving in New York City and sort of uh, trying to navigate who you are in the city and in the context of the university, what do you want to study, inevitable roommate conflicts, and how do you deal with difference and then come out on the other side, both a little bit more, or both or all, a little bit more empathetic and also a little bit more understanding of how to be with people, and sometimes that can be messy. So I think that the RA experience that I had was was phenomenal. So this has always been on my mind. As you know, I'm also a RA and Founders. And since you were actually an RA when it opened, what was the experience like coming into a building that had never had residents before? It was very clean. <laughs> <laughs> Almost clinically so, right? People yeah. sometimes complain about that at the very beginning. Like in comparison to Hayden, which is now Lipton Hall, which like had 20 layers of paint on the walls and had all this rich history, you know, and like rugged carpeting and, and you know, older furniture. It really felt like a traditional hall. Founders was like a brand new complex. And so it felt like you were in like a, a kind of like, I mean, I grew up in Florida. So like gated communities are both, you know, people love and hate them because they're too manicured, but they're also very clean and nice. So it kind of feels that way. It's, it's a very different experience. Yeah. And it was the first time that we had to describe like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're the building behind the church, which I felt like was very new for everyone. So that was a good identifier and and fun. How did you build relationships with your residents? Milk and cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the most daunting for me starting out was, you know, how can I convince 35 new students to like me and trust me and confide in me and see me as a, a guider, a guidance at the university and it really was just like holding casual time and unstructured time to meet with them and just talk about random things that happened during their day. I think those were the most successful ways to connect with them rather than saying at 5 p.m. we're gonna do this and go to this event. It really was more of those like I'll be in my room from 9 to 10 come meet with me and, and have cookies. I mean, I did a lot of programs when I was an RA. I actually printed out a list of my senior year <laughs> programs because I just had it. But I think of a lot of the unstructured times when I would just 
have my door open, walk outside, and if, if other people were in the hall, I'd say, I'm going to go to 3rd North and have dinner if anyone wants to come and chat. And one time in the first week, we went to the High Line, and we went, and it was just like, just starting to be at sunset, so we could start to see the stars. And then we saw, can't remember her name, she's in Parks and Rec, she plays Anne. Anyway, she's very beautiful and very famous, and so I'm like, we ended up remembering fondly the experience of seeing a star while stargazing. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so nice. So speaking from that list of programs that you have on hand. Can we read it? Yeah. Some of them? <laughs> well, it's only like, from senior year. Right, so I'll recognize I don't, I some of them because I was Two there, pages right? long, Nick? Oh, well, one goodness. is for fall okay. semester, okay. one's for spring wow. semester. Okay. Yeah. I still, I don't know if, I don't know how records are kept, if, the, if these exist anymore, but I do feel like I have a record for most programs. These weren't all me, that a lot of, and it calls out when there was like a co-program. Mm-hmm. Um, Which would you say is probably your favorite from that list, I would say? So I hadn't looked at it prior <laughs> to this, I literally just printed it out. So my senior year was really fun because I was an Explorations Flora Ray, and the Explorations Flora was, had also a long title, it was Global Cosmopolitanism it had a second part, but <laughs> I was also very interested in branding. So we just shortened it to F24 and I had like a little logo for it mm-hmm. and I would put it on all the posters. Because I'd you put were it... the 24th floor. Yes, 24th uh, floor. Okay. Yeah, I was right. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How do you go from global cosmopolitanism? Yeah, and it was sort of like, it fit in with a theme, like there was a little picture of it and it said global cosmopolitans. And our whole theme was exploring um how to be cosmopolitan in a city and go and explore the city and and what it means to be a citizen of the world. And so we did a we did a ton of stuff. I mean, I see that there's probably like 15 programs Can that I we call did in the first this week. one Cause, because this one's yeah. I was involved in. We went to see Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, which was the, the what is it? The was it, it wasn't a remake. It was, it a, was sequel, a sequel. Yeah, like to after what 25 years or so. And I remember we took residents to that, and that was really fun. We went to like our favorite theater in is it, is it a Regal or an AMC in Battery Park City? Battery Regal, Park yeah. City, which is like the best movie theater in the city, I would say. <laughs> back Maybe, then, for sure. Back then, for sure. Maybe after like Lincoln Center, hmm. those are really the only two I would really go to. And it was because it was always empty, like people wouldn't go down there. Mm-hmm. And it was a sequence of programs because the, the, there was a original viewing of Wall Street, then going to the theater to do a sequel. And then the third in that, in that string, I liked the sequencing programs, was a walking tour with brunch of Wall Street. So it was like a Wall Street three-parter. So that was fun. You did a lot of engaging with students. And now that's really what you do in a lot of ways, day to day now. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you transitioned from undergraduate, RA, doing your academic work, and then working full time at the same institution. For you, Nick, I mean, you took a year off, you know, mm-hmm. so that must have been a weird thing. Like all of a sudden your classmates, or at least those who you started with, are gone mm-hmm. and you're still here. Yeah, that was that was something that was both magical and uh, extremely bizarre because I went from living in the same building with some of my best friends to then working in this place with all of them very distant and really focused on, you know, their own careers, making friends at work and sort of settling in there. And I was here and I still had friends who were students and sort of when work ended, people were still, all my, all my friends who I graduated with were at their jobs or at happy hours with, with their colleagues. And so it was, it took a while to sort of find my footing, but it was also really exciting to be 
working here and then being able to tell people how NYU is still the next year or new initiatives that were coming out that were exciting. It was a good extension of the community building portion of being an RA because it was starting to find a community within the workspace as well in a different part of NYU where I had maybe seen different administrators or different figures, but now I could actually interact with them on a more collegial level and sort of learn from them and and grow in that way. I hear a lot of students who get the opportunity to see behind the scenes, quote unquote, tell me, wow, once you interact with an administrator, whether it's on a committee or on a specific project, you really get the sense that they are so committed to this work. And it's really nice when you hear that because it's 100% true, but also having done that transition from student to administrator, I mean, you live that. And so that, that to me has been really great to see. This is what I experienced as a student. Part of my motivation to working here was, quote unquote, improving the community, improving the university, which I always thought was amazing, but you know, everything could always improve. So that was my motivation for coming here. And then actually working here, you really understand how much people put towards making this place such a magical, amazing place that it is. So Guido, how would you compare your previous position before you even got to NYU to the one you have right now? Uh, It's funny because it's, so I worked as a graphic designer at a restaurant group, a global restaurant group. And I often tell people like the quote unquote corporate world versus higher education. There's, there are a lot of differences, but this job now is very meaningful to me. You know, you get to interact with students, you see them in the hall, in the elevators, you know, it's very rare that you work somewhere where you you connect with your customers mm-hmm. on a daily basis all the time and, and in the same environment. So that to me is really special. You really get the immediate connection with who you're serving. And it's it's just meaningful work. It's, you know, Nick and I often say, like, we don't really work somewhere where we're out to sell you something. And that's, a to me, like a privilege. We're here to, like connect you to resources, connect you to people, connect you to a community, you know, help you experience the world. Um, and so that, to me, it's it's nice that we don't have to worry about profits, losses, and revenues. <laughs> I'm sure there are people at NYU who do have to worry about right. the numbers, but we don't have to worry about those kinds of numbers. So that's really nice. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed by the two of you and how you have gone to learn about the millennials and the next generation how have you gone about that process of understanding the client, so to speak, the student, and what speaks to them? Luckily, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of research being done by companies to sort of understand the mind to exactly do that to sell to a customer. But there's even more so, like, I was a sociology major, and there's a lot of sociological research being done about how we communicate, how we connect to each other, how institutions interact with how society reproduces itself. And so I'm, I'm already naturally inclined to that. That was one of the focuses of, of my undergraduate program. I think the other thing that nuances it more for NYU in particular is we get to talk to students every day, not only the interns in our office, uh, but I, I frequently have meetings with students just who have either 
been introduced to me by other students or who have reached out uh, with a with a feedback or a pitch or something. And I mean, I usually ask them different questions and sort of learn about their behaviors in that way. I usually ask them one consistent question that I ask almost every student I meet with is, does your experience match the brochure? You know, is the, is the way that we are talking about NYU actually the way that you can live your experience at NYU? And that has been telling on a generational level as well of things that very subtle differences from, you know, when I first started to now of things that students were more interested in or aspects of college that they were hoping to experience that they either found here or haven't found yet. And so I think like there's a lot that can be derived from that when we're talking about the NYU younger generation now. That's been a great part of the work is is actually looking at broader trends in society and then seeing how they map onto the NYU student mm-hmm. population. And on like a more specific level too for us, like Nick is amazing at reading a lot about generational trends. He's always reading a book or a report or a study. I remember both when we were RAs and you know, as as administrators now, like you would often print like twenty pages in size, like fifty, um, of like a study, and then you would take it to the gym and read it on the treadmill, and that's why it had to be size fifty. And I, I'd just be like, "Why are you reading on the treadmill?" First of all, like that's crazy, and how can you do that? But anyways, you're just—he was always really, really interested in doing that. So that's a great way that he gets that insight. But also, the way our office was built from the start was always working side by side with these students and and these communities so for us understanding millennials or understanding other generations as they grow is just all about working with them and alongside them and turning around and saying hey if we were to do this how would you feel about that um so that's kind of where we get most of our our data i would say uh qualitatively and also a lot of fun YouTube videos and memes <laughs> and slang, which I've sort of given up on keeping up with. <laughs> so let's connect that back to the RA role. As far as connecting with residents and how that was during your time here at NYU, would you say you still use those same skills to try and connect to, I would say, your clientele, essentially, through the different groups that come through NYU? Yeah, I think, again, specifically to talk about students, I think we try to have a lot of interactions with them and kind of see how we can fit the, for if they're an intern, how we can fit the internship into the narrative of their career and sort of what, they're, what they hope to learn, what they're currently learning, and maybe in the future, what things could we bring into this experience that could help them, people we could introduce them to, et cetera. And I think that that feels very similar to when I was an RA of meeting with students and kind of seeing what they wanted out of their NYU experience and how they wanted to be transformed and how they wanted to in turn transform the world and seeing what nodes or what strings we could pull together from our own networks to help them succeed, I think has been a consistency between the RA role and sort of what we do today. Yeah, that nails it. I mean, it's, as I was kind of thinking about this interview today, our conversation today, I realized like the RA role is so much about listening, whether it's to someone's problems with their roommates or to someone's challenges in school or just to what they hope to accomplish, like Nick said, by the time they, they're done with their year. And so getting that listening skill done right has really helped me do this job better. Um, I feel like my goal is just to listen to what students want and then deliver that. 
Um, so, so I feel like listening throughout my RA years or year was really what prepared me to like do this job in service of students today. One of the challenges facing college campuses is the level of anxiety that students bring with them. Uh, Nick, I know you're doing some work with the science of happiness. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what role we as educators outside the classroom should be doing with students to think about resiliency and and taking care of themselves, self-care, and what you're doing with the science of happiness. Yeah, so I'm part of the teaching staff for one of NYU's most popular classes, The Science of Happiness. The number one. Number one, yes. I didn't know if it was still current. I knew it was a couple years ago. I joined a number of years ago, so now it's it's number one. Uh, (laughs) I think that universities and college campuses in general, I think that, you know, we're facing a dilemma, not only with fewer people who are going to college as like national population trends, but also this... um, this urgency to help students derive meaning from their experience. And especially when we think about what is happening right now with automation and different things, can we conceive of a future without work? And in a society right now that we derive so much meaning from what we do. And that's in New York City, that's often one of the first questions when you meet someone is, is what do you do for work? And we spend so much time at work that are we adequately, or can we, this is the challenge I think college campuses have right now, can we help students learn crucial skills to adapt and more derive meaning beyond what they do? I think that moving beyond the job or the career or getting picked for something, getting the promotion or getting the interview or getting the job or getting an award, how can we pick ourselves and define what success means for us? And how can we live a deeper existence beyond just learning things in classroom and doing the career staff? All of that is important. But how are we fitting it into this broader landscape of um, I'm learning, I'm growing, I can, I can face adversity and be resilient to it. I can build meaningful relationships that sometimes are really uncomfortable. And because they're so deep, they require an amount of commitment to see it through and to have the difficult conversations. And I think that that's a challenge for college campuses because, in today especially, because we also are more tech dependent than we've ever been. And our relationship with technology, I mean, even I'm spending, I've downloaded a tracker and it frequently tells me that I'm picking up my phone over like 80 times a day, I'm spending eight hours on my phone. And sometimes that's just like unlocking, responding to a text and putting it down. But it's also allowed me to reflect it's it's not just teenagers and it's not just millennials. It seems to be all of us are just really on our phones. So how do we derive the kind of empathy and how do we listen more if we're so used to communicating through a screen? And then how do we build all of those things together in a very messy way to make meaning and, and to be happy and not let one of those different things, if it falls through, just completely you know throw us off course and in a negative way and in ways that we can't recover from. I think that's something that is difficult and complex and something that I think we have to rise to the occasion to do if we want to change society in the ways that perhaps only universities as an institution in society can. That was so eloquently said, I just have to say. (laughs) So we're going to change gears a little bit. As far as where you are now in your careers, what would you say you are most proud of to date as far as what you've done or what you've experienced? I wanted to see what you said, but now I read it, so it's cheating. What I'm most proud of was a specific project that our office worked on, which was student-led, as most of our projects are. 
and that was the sexual misconduct video. It was called Feeling Together, right? That was the theme. It was uh, an alternate title was Let's Talk About Sex. That's right. Let's Talk About Sex. Or Let's Talk About Consent. Let's Talk About Consent. That's right. what it was. It was so many years ago. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we, it, it, was, it was a really great video that was used by the university to really launch a whole new set of policies as mandated by the federal government. And I remember when we were told that these policies had to be communicated to students, you know, the option A was let's release this 40-page PDF on our website that students are expected to read. We'll send them an email and say, here's what you need to know. And our team was very reluctant because no one's going to read a 40-page PDF, except for Nick. He might print it inside (laughs) 50. And get on the treadmill. Right, get on the treadmill and read it. But we really wanted to communicate this whole new way of talking about consent um, in an engaging way. So we created a really great video. It's on YouTube. I recommend people watch it. Um, the end result was just so wonderful, and it took us a very long time. So I'm not surprised by that. But even looking, watching it now, I feel like goosebumps. So many of the lines in the video, quote, uh, in the script, are lines from interviews with students. Um, so it, it is a very authentic and just a very real video to watch. So I'd love that. Yeah, I would agree. Like that project in particular exemplifies that uh, we were we were asked to help communicate this message. And instead of just like having an email that went out about policy, we worked with students to realize this is a real opportunity to start an important conversation on campus and not just have it live in this is something that was mandated by you know new regulations and different things. Mm-hmm. But how can we make something like that, like a new policy, be a little bit more meaningful? And so my answer is that and sort of like this this experience we have with students in our internship is really giving them real opportunities, not please go get me coffee or (laughs) here's some busy work or like work on this proposal. We've given opportunities, I think, as we did, both in the RA role, but in other internships that we had to do actual work that would be seen and felt and touched um, that we can be proud of and like also builds onto a body of work that they, they can leave the internship and leave the university feeling good about something real in the world and sort of help elevate their career in ways that were so important and so successful for the university as well. And so kind of being a conduit and, and being a part of that kind of magic, that's been that's been like, I think the thing that I'm proudest of as well. Yeah, now that you say it that way, I had never made the connection between our roles as RAs having a real impact on freshmen's lives um, during you know a very vulnerable time in their, in their journey at NYU, the first few weeks, their first year here, um, and making real impact and having, you know, doing real work, as you said. I never made the connection between that and then wanting to give other students that same opportunity in a slightly different context via our internship program. So that's a really cool connection. Well, it's also where they are developmentally, is showing up on the first day as a first-year student or as a senior coming in as an intern like Ashwin to do something where he's going to apply it in his world for computer science. Yeah, so I, yeah. I do think you're meeting students where they are, which I think is important. Yeah. One more question as it relates to the industry. How is it changing the work that you do today from where it was before? 
the, the work that we do is kind of like at the intersection of multiple industries. It's branding, it's marketing, it's communications, it's design, all in the lens of higher education, community building, it's you know technology, app development. It's always a fun question when people are like, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, what didn't exist in 2011, 2012, that exists now is a the the rapid rise in adoption of technology i think is making everything move faster including expectations so i think that perhaps 7 8 years ago there wasn't quite as much of a of a tight expectation to move faster and respond faster and and solve problems immediately but the whole world around us has changed and all these industries have changed to be much more adaptable or use technology to make things more efficient and so I think that has put a lot of pressure on all the industries that I mentioned to get it done yesterday or to be available 24-7, to do it quickly, but also somehow have enough time built in for reflection so that it, it feels meaningful and it feels authentic. Um, and so the kind of work like let's talk about consent, that was a really time consuming, pro- as, as most of our major campaigns have been. And uh, it's hard to move at the speed of the world today while also making sure that we're making things that really connect and feel important to the audience, not just important to us because, you know, we did it, but that it can connect in the ways that we're trying to connect with students. And I think that's something that has been rapidly evolving and and speeding up and in a way that it's hard to keep up with sometimes, but also makes it very exciting and and you know, never kind of a dull moment. Time for speed round. All right. Favorite tradition at NYU? I should say reality show, but I'm going to say hack NYU because it's <laughs> something I'm part of now. <laughs> so I'll say reality show. All right. Best dining hall? Lipton, formerly Hayden Hall. Kimmel Pizza, rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> Any celebrity sightings while at NYU? Natalie Portman at Skirball at a very expensive event that I got into for like $5. <laughs> oh. I saw John Mayer outside the Comedy Cellar. Ooh, very yeah. nice. Uh, did either of you go abroad, and if so, where? I did research and worked one summer, two different summers in Northern Thailand. I did not study abroad while I was here. Oh. Do you regret that? No, I was born abroad, so to me it <laughs> always felt like I had that experience. Do you stay in contact with other RA alums? And if so, this is your time for some shout-outs. Yeah, I'd say we both do. I mean, you probably stay in contact with a lot more. I, I love Ryan Aguirre. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend, Logan Whiteside, was an RA. And she was my best friend when we were RAs and continues to be my best friend. So that was really special. Emma McCormick, who's now Emma Urshaw, because she married also RA Devin Urshaw. Amanda Maffa, Ryan Aguirre as well. This is tricky because, like, who is going to be mad that we forgot? <laughs> <laughs> Not forgot. Not forgot, but just, like, speed round. There you go. Finally, most memorable RA experience. You know, staff meetings were dreadful, but also memorable. I would also say staff meetings. They were, shout outs particularly, uh, were a fond time for me because I would shout out, I would prime positive behavior and I would reward people for things like going to dinner with me. And so I use that shout out time uh, in, in kind of a superfluous way. Oh, I can entirely relate. We still do that today. Anyway, Nick, Guido, thanks so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Special thanks to our engineer, Juliana Fonseca Alessa, and to the current professional staff, 
and alums like Nikisa and Joanna of NYU who assisted these great RAs and skill acquisition along the way. I do want to give you both props for the work that you do. You do make a big impact here in student life, but in the life of students overall, from making them feel good about themselves, from them making them understand what's available to them, and engaging them in ways that they may not be engaged. So I really appreciate you spending time with us this evening. Thank Thanks, you. Tom. It was fun. It was fun to to remember the yeah. old days. Reminisce. Yeah. It's not that nostalgia you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And and you are you still involved with the alums doing some alumni work? Deeply. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> alumni Association, LGBTQ Alumni Network, the CAS Alumni Association. All great ways. If if you ever get invited to an event, just go see who you might run into. Actually studies show in the science of happiness. People who stay involved with their alma mater are more likely to have higher rates of well being. So that was a that was a fun thing where my worlds collided in, in the teaching of happiness and also the way that I'm active as an alum. Yeah. So the lesson is stay connected to your home NYU. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know more about NYU's RA's favorite books, go to whatthey'rereading.blogspot.com. Until next time, go out there, connect with others, give back, and take care of yourselves. <laughs>